0: irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim?
1: Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science?
2: Hey everybody, I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Penn Holderness. Thank you for joining us on the Holderness Family Podcast. If we decide to put this on YouTube, thank you for watching on our YouTube channel.
3: We are actually, we're recording it because it's possible that this could be good stuff for YouTube.
2: But if it's not, just forget we said this part and thanks for listening. Thanks for just
3: listening to us. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Today's a big day. day. Okay, can I just tell you
2: something? Uh, Our podcast is our very favorite thing that we do. We've talked about this a million times, it allows us to just learn more about each other, about marriage, about parenting, and about each other's interests. <laughs> and let me tell you, we've, on this podcast, a lot of times, it's just conversations with the two of us. Sometimes we interview people, and we've interviewed some like fancy people, mm-hmm. okay? We've interviewed some, I mean, I feel pretty lucky that we've interviewed some fancy people. Got to find my light here, Penn. And Penn is 1,000% of the... One hundred percent of the time we've done the interviews. If say it starts at two thirty, he'll be coming upstairs to our little attic space here and hitting. there's coming, getting a car. It's like two twenty nine and I'm thirty like,
3: seconds. Baby,
2: yeah. come on! These people are very important. They have tight schedules. He's like this man. Wanted me upstairs fifteen minutes early. He is so. I have never seen him so excited about somebody about anything. And and our lives together and it's been it's been a journey. Thank you. Do you want to give us a little preview? I and, mean, okay. Yeah.
3: All right, it's the guy who built the James Webb Telescope.
2: Or one of the many people. He well, led he was, the team.
3: He was the commissioning manager. So he was he he's been with the project since 2005, maybe even before. That was when they started doing the initial mock-ups. Do you guys know about me that I'm a space nerd? Should
2: yes, we, we have a whole that? section. There's okay. a whole. There's a. You have a song about I, making me care about space.
3: I do. I do.
2: Should
3: I, we play that? Uh, oh, this one's actually about Mars. Right? Oh. Is that is that the one you're talking about? Here we go.
2: When are we
3: going to Mars? Yeah. When are we
4: going to Mars? We were supposed to go in like 2020 and that was two years ago. Wondering when we'll finally get to
3: Mars. And then I talk about space. Yes. And then
2: then it's about like getting me to care about space things and I care about space things. But there's just a lot of things on this planet, y'all, that I'm like really struggling with. So all this stuff out there mm -hmm. can't. It's just a lot.
3: I understand that. And I actually I respect that thought and that stance. The thing is, I also think that people don't care about it because they haven't been properly educated about it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it, a lot of this stuff goes whoosh, like right over the heads of people. And often it's because those responsible for explaining it to us as a population are too smart for their own good. And I mean that as the nicest compliment possible, right? right. And, and so I feel like it's my responsibility as a dumber person who has like learned,
2: smart, but like not as smart yeah, as, as a stupider
3: person who has, however, like read a ton of books on orbital physics and understands a little bit better about black holes in the, in the theory of relativity, which was like put on dazzling display this last week by the web telescope. And also just like this search for intelligent life, which I've been fascinated with for years. I want to be part of the group that brings it to people who either don't quite understand it or haven't found something to really grasp onto and I'm saying that with the understanding that there are plenty of problems going on on our planet. However, this week with the, the, the release of the James Webb telescope's initial images, to me, this is our moon landing many of us were not a lot. Oh my gosh. He's here. Oh my gosh. Oh my okay. gosh he's, Keith here.
2: he's here. Okay. He, he, just, he, okay. he wants to be admitted to the zoom. Okay. okay you guys. Okay.
3: Sorry. Okay. I got to stop what I'm doing. Cause this guy is basically like George Clooney to me. Um, his name is Keith Parrish. We're going to say hi to him. Kim's going to give a little bio as no, well. No, you, but- you have
2: to read the bio too.
3: Okay. We'll just read it while he's in here. Cause I, I can't okay. keep him waiting. I'm sure he's very important. Okay. This is exciting.
2: Hey! <gasps> Hello, hey. Hi, Keith. Keith.
3: <laughs> How are you? How are you guys? Uh,
2: we're we're doing very well. Right before you joined, we saw your name come up, and Penn's like, "This is my George Clooney," so <laughs> he's very. We're both. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that's funny and very handsome. Very handsome. Yeah.
4: We we get it. We get a lot of interview requests and. It's usually a newspaper or a magazine, you know, something little. But when I saw this one came in, I said, "Can I have that one?"
2: Yay! <laughs> well, so, we're yay. very excited. We're very excited. Right. Pen, do you want to? So first, I ha- we have to let the people know you're very established resume and kind of the credentials you come with you want to read this it's a little fancier than ours
3: yeah we'll, we'll go back and forth does that sound good yeah okay uh, so Keith Parrish was as I said earlier the commissioning manager for the James Webb Space Telescope at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt Maryland in this capacity, he led the planning and execution of on-orbit commissioning activities with specific emphasis on contingencies, countdown, and launch. We're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about what are called single failure tests, uh, mid-course corrections, Brilliant. deployments, and cool down to cryogenic temperature. Because guess what? It's got to be in like absolute zero temperatures in order to, in order to work. Am I giving too much of my yes. commentary on this? Yes. Okay, why don't you read it? Because I'm getting too like, <laughs> okay. personal on this.
2: Uh, Parrish has also served as web observatory manager since 2011, where he is responsible for for ensuring observatory design and technical work that was aligned with the project's science and engineering priorities and budget and schedule resources. Wow, that's a lot. Parrish joined NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center 1990 and has been involved with design and launch of several science missions, including the launch of and first two servicing missions to the Hubble Space Telescope. He is a recipient of NASA's Outstanding Leadership Medal and Robert H. Goddard Honors Awards for Exceptional Achievement in Engineering and Management. Parrish has a. B.S. in Aerospace Engineering from University of Maryland College Park. M.S. in Mechanical Engineering from George Washington University, a lifelong Maryland native. Parrish resides in Skiesville, Maryland with his wife Deanna. They have three children, one a college junior and two recent college graduates... That was a lot because you've accomplished a lot yes, sometimes. <laughs> no, sometimes we pare these down, but I felt like every line was necessary. No, that was
3: all impressive.
2: And there are some pictures it, that we it, went up that will eventually include. One at like the start of what I think was this journey in your three small children, and then at the end with your grown children and just like how long right. this process is. can I will, I will say from the very beginning, this podcast and this platform, probably not your science journals that are interviewing you. It's a whole lot of normal people. Penn understands everything, okay? <laughs> My job here is to keep you guys grounded, okay? And so I'm going to ask That's the real right. well, people questions, okay? She's, if she
3: says you lost like- me, Keith, we got to back up.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. so can I ask the question? What is the James Webb Space Telescope?
4: Okay, we'll just start. We'll just start with the basics. Yeah. So you know, for years, NASA and astronomers have been putting space missions into space to look at the stars and the sun, and you know, all kinds of cool stuff out there. The most famous of which is the Hubble Space Telescope. Uh, again, we put telescopes into space because they're much more efficient. They don't have to look through the atmosphere of the Earth. You know, you got the Earth spinning every every 24 hours and clouds and all kinds of stuff. So uh, you know, way back when in you know early 70s, telescopes have been going up into space to like I said, to look at everything from the you know the sun to planets to, to galaxies. So so it's just the James Webb is just a normal progression of technology and our ability and, and, and power of the telescope. However, the other thing is is NASA took a big leap with the James Webb Telescope. So it's not really an evolutionary, you know, just sort of a little bit better Hubble. It, it really is a huge leap ahead in technology and capability. And, and what astronomers are facing is that to look further across the universe, just a little bit further, gets exponentially harder. So the telescopes mm-hmm. have to be exponentially bigger and revolutionary. So hopefully that's in a, a, a good nutshell uh, why we put telescopes in space.
3: When we first heard we were going to be able to talk to you, I told my team that I was going to talk to the commissioning manager of the telescope and their response was, that is so cool. Do you think he'd let you go see it?
2: (laughs) So people, very, very smart people don't realize it's actually in space. In
3: in space. So please tell us where it is and why it's there.
4: Yeah. So typically you think of uh, uh, satellites that go into space like communication satellites uh, or weather satellites. They're just going around the Earth. They're a couple hundred miles up. Some of them are 20,000 miles up. The moon is about 250,000 miles away. We sent Webb about a million miles away. So it's four times the distance of the moon. It's actually in orbit around the sun, just like the earth is. Uh, However, it's in a crazy place called the Lagrange point two, which is a whole bunch of mathematics there I won't get into. But anyway, so at Lagrange point two, the telescope goes around the sun at the same pace as the earth. So it always stays that million miles away from us, which is a really nice spot to put a telescope because it's always dark. And, uh, you know, it's just it's a great place and it's not too far away that you can't communicate with it.
3: So it's got to be very dark and very cold for this thing to work, correct?
4: Yeah. So that's a big that's a probably the two biggest things that make Webb what it is, is that it's extremely large. Uh, We're about five times larger than the Hubble Space Telescope. And the other thing that scientists really need this, this telescope to be is cold. And that's because the if you really want to see the things that Hubble can't see, we have to see in the infrared wavelengths, which is part of the electromagnetic spectrum that heat travels in. And so, so really we need it. If, I always say, like, if you went to the movie theater and they'd never turn down the lights, you would be really, really frustrated because your eyes would be overwhelmed. So we cool this telescope down, so that it doesn't blind itself with its own heat so our our op- so we're looking for photons from the earliest you know things in the universe that ever were created and traveling for billions of years we're not we're, there's not that many photons available so the last thing we want to do is be overwhelming our cameras with with this infrared heat from itself so that's why we cool it down to these incredibly incredibly cold temperatures which was really part of the 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 complexity of the mission how you doing so far,
2: babe? I'm I'm doing well. Like at the, the <laughs> end way, the we, end there. I was like up. the, the photon got you. The photons got you. Got me. Um I c- can yeah, I yeah. so when the first images were released mm-hmm. Penn, Sexy. Sexy as hell. You know, we yeah. had yeah. you know, we had a meeting, we you know, we work from home, so we have a group of people around our kitchen table right. that are talking about silly videos we're gonna do. And he stopped what we were talking about. And he was like, you guys, and he started explaining and he explained it in a great way. But can you tell me, like, why is this such a big deal? And why somebody like me who's, you know, concerned with carpool and getting my kids to do their summer reading and things like this should be caring about these images and the work that's coming out of this?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's sort of the hard science reasons that I won't bore you with, right? Uh, you know, we, you know, all great science for science reasons over the past several hundred years have given us what we have today. And they and those and the folks who did science 300, 500 years ago, they had no idea what it was going to lead to. So so just the hard science part of it is as you know, as a as a civilization and, and, and a, as a, you know, as a as a country nation, we really need to do. De- need to do science so that that's the
2: science that's is the good science part, good right? yes yeah. Yeah. science
4: is good let's science just agree good. that science is good yes the other thing that you should really you know the other thing that people should really care about from a more practical standpoint regarding the science is that we really don't know anything we don't know much about the universe <laughs> we don't know much we can't even solve our energy problems here on the planet <laughs> right. there's all kinds of things we just don't know however the universe is actually doing stuff that we can't do. It's making stars, it made us, it made all the materials, everything on the periodic table. The universe did that on its own. So if we can, and it's and it's doing it now on its own, so if we can observe that and learn how it's doing it, someday we'll be able to bring that knowledge down. So everything from, from how light works, to how gravity works, to how uh, being able to manipulate matter and maybe even time, who knows, I'm getting a little wacky there, but the universe has it all figured out and it's and it's showing us. We just have to observe it with these with these telescopes. And then I, I, I mentioned two things. But the third thing would be, you know, it really demonstrates the collective technological might of not only the United States, but our partners in Europe and Canada mm-hmm. and what we can do crazy stuff we can do when we all get together and, and really have a singular focus.
3: Yeah. This, this wasn't planting old glory on the moon and saying we did it first. This was a global effort. And that's another reason why yeah, I really true. like, I prefer this story over the moon landing and I'm going to catch a lot of crap for that, but I, I think we're going to learn a lot more from the, the, the hardware that's up there. I would love yeah to just like take a second and talk about wasp 96 b and the (laughs) exoplanet that you guys so to me back up all right okay wasp 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 and, and you
2: know what i'll do at the end of this yeah. is just like let you guys talk <laughs> it just unfiltered but in the beginning okay. i'm just gonna all right. hit we're, gonna, we're gonna keep you we're gonna right. keep you engaged right here. no and, <laughs> by, by the way i super care about this and what i loved what you said is like we don't know anything and that's what i love most about science is science is right. just waiting for better science and i love yeah. scientists because they'll admit like oh we didn't know that. And i that's what I love right. about science. This is okay. going
3: to be sexy as hell for you, though, Kim, if you're ready. I'm going to use ready. that term. Okay. <laughs> so sexy.
2: <laughs> hey, hang in there. We're going to be right back. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy.
3: Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, cathartic, exhausting, or even exhilarating. But one thing's for certain, if you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist... You will gain insights and uncover truths that you can only find in therapy.
2: Get those personal breakthroughs and judgment-free support by signing up for Talkspace.
3: At Talkspace.com, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours.
2: There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up child care in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made
3: easy. Talkspace is also affordable and in-network with most major insurers.
2: To celebrate May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering every listener of this podcast $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness.
3: To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness to get $80 off your first month with code space eighty and to show your support for the show.
2: That's Talkspace.com slash Holderness with code SPACE80. Science is sexy. We're, we're
3: going to find life with this telescope. I believe that we are going to find life either through a technosignature by finding like a pollutant in the atmosphere or something. Mm-hmm. And I found that, and I learned that just by looking at this graph that you guys put out. It wasn't even a picture of an exoplanet, right. which is, yeah, it's a planet that's uh, it's a gas giant, about half the size of Jupiter. It's 1,100 light years away from Earth. And somehow from that far away, your telescope was able to tell me that there's water vapor in the atmosphere. Water usually That's equals correct. life. That blew my mind more than any of the images. I'm wondering how you felt about that, and and how you're able to do that.
4: Yeah. yeah so 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 uh, you know when we started Web twenty some years ago, we. Sci- you know astronomers didn't even know planets really existed around other stars they 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 postulated it and george lucas was absolutely correct in star wars so he was way ahead of his time but scientists really didn't know for sure there was planets around other stars so we started Webb, and it was not a capability that we we intended it to do so over the last 20 years there's been lots of planets there's been other missions that have discovered these stars you know these other planets and then so we'll know we can never visit them. We, I mean, we just can't, not in our lifetime and not in generations to come. However, we do have the capability with something like web. And what we choose, we chose this planet uh, last week as a demo. It's just a demonstration that says we can sample these atmospheres of other planets, which is just crazy to think about. You, you mentioned a thousand light years away. And and based on what's called spectroscopy, you know, where you break the light into all of its different... I'm losing Kim right now. No, 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 anyway, I'm here. i am so got break you the got light- we can break all of this light down into different wavelengths and we know oxygen and water absorb different wavelengths of light and our, and our astronomers can study that boring looking graph. That boring looking graph tells them more than any pretty picture because it's hard numbers, it's hard data. And whilst the one we just did last week or the one we showed last week, that's just the beginning. We knew that planet is not a life-capable planet based on its super size. It's, it's probably a gas giant like Jupiter or something like that. However, over the next couple years of the mission, Webb will be going after these candidate planets uh, that are sort of earthly, we, we know they're kind of Earth-like as far as their temperature and, and their size and their rocky nature. And then we'll be able to sniff those atmospheres and look for all the s- different telltales that, that could be what we, would con- what we believe to be elements of that would be conducive to supporting life. We're not sure we're going to discover life. However, we do know that water, methane, carbon dioxide, those are all the things here on Earth that we associate with, you know, our, our life forms.
3: And you can look for pollutants as well, isn't that right? That was something I read about in an article, which is really cool. Which would mean intelligent life, like people who have built machinery. Yeah, and we can see we can
4: see things like methane, uh, different different types of uh, yeah, exactly right pollutants in the atmosphere. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, but this telescope is so good, uh, we can point it so accurately, and uh, we and the and the techniques that exist now, we can do these type of you know these planets that we can never visit. Uh, but we can actually visit them virtually and study their atmospheres. that that kind of blows my mind, even though I know exactly how we do that. It's still kind of it's still kind of you know it just blows me away.
2: I know that when we were sitting at the table and Penn was explaining you know the picture we were seeing and why it was so impactful, Anne Marie, who works with us, was it actually made her panic a little bit because she was yeah, like yeah. it made <laughs> her feel I mean, like so, so insignificant. That, right. like, what does it all mean? To me, it's, like, a great right. sense of calm to know, like, you know yeah. what? I am stressed about carpool. I'm stressed about my kids haven't started their summer <laughs> reading. I'm stressed about the stuff. And, like, right. we're, like, this little tiny speck. I need to just chill. But for her, it was, like, a very overwhelming feeling. Yeah. Um, and Yeah. You, and I, I, Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah I, I don't, there's, a, there's another big, uh, you know, there's a vlogger out there called Hank Green. Oh, love him. And I think he did. Yeah, Hank, he loves us. He's, done, he's been a big web fan for years and years. And he just did a vlog a couple of days ago where he said, this can make you feel small. But to him, it made him feel large because he, he, he has hope now and things we can do. And the fact that we think the universe is 13.8 billion years. The Earth has been around for 4 billion. That's about 20 to 30 percent of the universe's age. The Earth has been around. Now, life's not been around that long. However, the universe is young. The universe is going to go on for hundreds of billions of more years. So the fact that we've come about in basically the early part of the universe's life, he said that, I thought he was a pretty clever guy. Kind of, he said, that makes me feel large. It makes us feel important, especially when we can do these crazy things that we, that you know, just 400 you know four hundred years ago, Galileo was, was we, we were thinking the earth, you know, the sun went around the earth. So it's crazy stuff that we're learning.
3: Okay. Uh, so we know that the telescope can take incredible deep field views of galaxies. We, uh, mm-hmm. Han- uh, you know, Hank did this. I try to do this with Kim. We know that there. you can look so far that you can actually see like a gravitational lens that bends time because if you find like a super yeah. dense galaxy, it can bend time yeah. so that you look over the horizon yeah. of time and see back years and years in the future because of relativity. That That part broke Kim's brain a little bit.
4: Yeah, it breaks my brain too. <laughs> okay.
2: Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, because yeah. there was. I'm like, I got, I would get it, and then I would like lose it. I'm like, okay, do it again, do it again. I like, and he was so happy yeah. explaining it to it. But yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: what what I would like people to know was what it was like for you to to soup to nuts get this thing up into space. We'll show mm-hmm. the pictures on the visual side of this of you when your kids were young, and you when your kids were fully grown. And you you call this a fourth child? You did in, in an email that we had yeah. together. I, I'd love you to take me a little bit through the journey, and also just through some of your feelings of relief when it actually worked, because it was nine billion dollars. And I would love yeah. you to I would love you to tell me about these single failure tests, because you guys, you know, how like I try to explain this to my bro, to my son. You know how like I got to get him to a basketball game. Okay, he forgets his shoes. I can turn around and go get his shoes. The car right, breaks right, right. down. We could probably get an Uber like we left early enough. He forgets his water bottle. He'll drink out of the fountain. None of those are single failure issues. We'd have to like get in a wreck and go to the hospital to miss the basketball game. Right. That's how rare yeah, single yep. fail- failure issues are. Your telescope had yeah. 344 single failure issues that had to be tested when it was already gone. And if any of those things yep. didn't work, you can't fix them. So that, to me, is one of the right. most high-stress work environments I can ever possibly imagine. I just asked you three oh, yeah. questions in a row. I know, and I'm those, sorry.
2: He's really excited. So I pick a question. Okay. Let's start
3: with, let's start with the, let's start with the, let's start with the, uh, the 344 tests. I want to know about like the stress levels when you know, you've got to pass 344 tests that if any of them fail, mm-hmm. the entire thing doesn't work.
4: Yeah. So, so one of our biggest challenges with web was as time went on, you know, it's a very long program. Uh, you know, it, it, it sort of feeds on itself where the I, I hate to say the price tag goes up. So people say, well, it's really got to work now. We started Webb with the understanding it was going to be incredibly risky. You you compared us to Apollo and that's that's not far off. This is the most complex spacecraft that that people have ever built before. So it's not a bad analogy other than we didn't have human humans on it, which risked our lives. So as time went on, it we, we, we got into this thing where we said we it has to work, even though it's risky. It has to work so and part of the problem that really in the last five six years was testing it on the ground web was designed to be in space uh the ground it really doesn't like to be in gravity uh gravity it's very flimsy it's very lightweight so so it was really about testing it on the ground and making sure that when we launched it you know as much as we could worked and then we got into the fact that you know what there's just certain things we're never going to be able to test uh, we're going to have to use computer models, computer simulations, and eventually we're going to need a little bit of luck uh, to that. And and then and then so it was probably so we lived with that shadow. I guess that's sort of a cloud sure. that walks around with you uh, all the time is uh, this, this cloud of failure. And I think as engineers on the program, and, and again, I'm, I'm one of thousands. So there was, you know, there's so many people that, that did so much for this mission. Um, we we kind of had that shadow over our head that failure is an option because we started out with an incredibly crazy, complex idea. But as we got closer and closer and the money started racking up, said you can't fail. You got to make this work. So that was a huge stress to us. Uh, And then eventually we get closer and closer to launch where we go, you know what? We've done everything we can. We think it's as good as it can be. And then right about about two to three months before we launched, NASA, our public affairs folks, put out a video called 29 Days on the Edge. If you haven't seen that, uh, it basically talks about all this crazy stuff that has to go right. And what NASA was trying to do there uh, was trying to condition the public that, hey – this may not work. <laughs> uh, we're, we're confident we've done everything that it would work, but I wouldn't bet my pinky fingers or, or anything like that on it. And it was right around Thanksgiving, uh, you know, you know, so long and my family growing. And a lot of our families grew up with this, you know, you know, it was right around Thanksgiving. We we're sitting around the table and my, and my daughter who was, you know, 21, she was dad, are you getting nervous? Yeah. And I'm like, do you think it's going to work? And I'm like, well, if it doesn't, we did everything we can. And then she says, and I, I'm, I'm quoting, but it's not the exact words. I'm sort of memorizing and remembering it in my mind here. She said something like, I grew up with this thing. It better work. And Aww. at that point, the pressure was on. And uh, because they, they did it. My, my family loves this mission. They loved it. They've been along for the ride the whole time. And that's not just me. It's all of our families. And then we realized in, the, we realized in December, the whole world was watching. Uh, the world was starting to get into us. And I think for me, at that point, I stopped being an engineer who had this sort of black and white knowledge of how much, you know, the probability of it working or not. And I became sort of just a fan. And I'm like, I really want this to work, (laughs) not just for me, but our astronomers, our scientists, and just our, you know, the world community that's really, really rooting for us. And then eventually – we ended up launching on Christmas Day, and I'm like, wow, isn't that just suitable? Uh, here we are. We're going to ruin Christmas Day for a whole world. <laughs> so, but uh, but it all worked out. So that's a little bit of the pressure. It really didn't hit me until that last month uh, as we got closer and closer because failure was we just had so many things. that We've never put this many eggs in one basket before. And, and unlike Hubble, uh, where astronauts could get to it and fix it, uh, we knew we weren't going to have a lifeline. We knew we were never going to have a, a phone, a friend or anything like that to come out and help us out. So that all went into our mindset. And ultimately, it's that reality that caused us to delay a few years. We we could have launched a few years ago, but we wanted to do more testing. We wanted to make sure it was perfectly right. We We got a lot of criticism for it, you know, delaying and it takes more money. Uh, but we knew we had to get it right and ultimately had to deal with COVID hitting us in 2020, just like it did the rest of the world. So, anyway, that's a little bit of the angst of all those failures. And then as we got onto on to orbit starting right after Christmas and through New Year's and into january and i think you guys may have been doing a race or something like that yeah, but something anyway like that. we were actually <laughs> doing a <laughs> we were doing a commissioning this telescope and it was just every day we had to, we had to be successful every day we had something new so i always tell people it's sort of like playing a video game and every level was boss level no. and your only reward for winning that level was to go to the next level and do yeah. it all over again so for. So watch that video if you haven't. It's called 29 Days on the Edge, and it's very, very accurate. That's what we went through. Um, you know, when Matt, when NASA launched, uh, landed Perseverance on Mars last year, they had a video called Seven Minutes of Terror, you know, where everything has to go right or you don't land on Mars. So, so that's why I said 29 Days on the Edge, because we had 29 days of activities that if anywhere along that chain of events, we had a failure, it was, it was, end of, you know, pretty much could have been end of the road for us. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of idea of the, the angst we were going through. And I thought people was like, it's not necessarily a, a, a joy. It was more of a relief. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as we got the imaging and we started seeing how powerful this telescope was, we, it turned into joy real fast.
2: And so speaking of joy, when, when you were able to see those first images and your family was able to see them. What what was what was that emotion?
4: Yeah, it was it was a little bit less for us because we had a little bit of a sneak peek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the family hadn't seen anything, of course. But so back in March, when we first focused the telescope, uh, we did some press releases. We were we were using a star that's really close by to focus the telescope. Uh, our optical team was doing an incredible job. You know, they're they're literally focusing a telescope a million miles away and 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 it, I think it was March 12th or something they had finished their job uh, they had fully aligned the telescope and they released an image of this star to show just how good Webb was doing as far as how crisp and pers- you know how crisp the image was. And then in the background of this image was hundreds and hundreds of galaxies and we weren't trying to capture galaxies wow. these are really really short exposures and I think it's at that point where we all went. Oh my! This is we've we've far outdone what we thought this thing could do because this telescope isn't even trying. It's it's exposures, uh, just like photography. So you know we were only exposing for a couple hours on the star to get to get the alignment image, and then you know so we see all these galaxies in the background. So that for me was probably the emotional moment where I was like, this thing is going to be incredible. You know, so so it was a little bit of a, a slower. Uh, experience for me personally but but just the reaction of the world my family friends uh they just been overwhelmed and you know the one of the you know the one of the nebula the one we released last i mean that's just absolutely stunning gorgeous um and i and i think that's the payoff right there for everybody else of course the scientists they want the numbers they want the data um but for the rest of us we want to see the beauty of our universe and and we couldn't and they couldn't they couldn't have picked a better target than than what they did
3: so I want to get this clear. The, those pictures that you guys showed us and that President Biden was referring to, you were trying to, to capture stars and images like that. And then those little dots that look like Halloween candy littered on someone's floor, those were unexpected. Those, because those, those were the stars. I mean, those, I mean I, I'm, but what I mean, like those got top billing. You almost forget yeah. about the fact that there's a star there and you're like, good God there's giant right. galaxies. And that was, you're telling me that you, that was an accident. There was no way of you knowing that that was going to be theoretically possible. Yeah.
4: It, yeah now the, but the Biden image or the one that the, the, the one, what we call our deep field, yeah. you know, that was intentional. That was to go after those galaxies okay, got that you. are furthest away from the earth. It was really our test images where we're trying to look at a star nearby. And it's basically getting photo bombed by thousands of galaxies <laughs> in the background, which is, you know, just blew us away. And we knew we had a great telescope, we knew it was cold. Getting this thing cold was not not easy. And, and all that just created an incredible observatory. So so the, the one that um, the, the one we showed the deep field that the president debuted on, I think it was Monday night a week ago, maybe um, that was a deep field. All these images were picked to demonstrate different capabilities of the telescope. Uh, so that one was demonstrated to say, hey, we're we built this machine to go after the very first stars uh and, and, and galaxies that ever came into being after you know big bang, we know we can do it because this was just a four hour exposure. We have the capability of holding our aperture our theoretical lens open for, for fourteen days. Hmm. So you're gonna see some incredible stuff. This the images we released last week, the telescope wasn't even trying. This was just like taking your what? iPhone out and just snapping yeah. around. Just um, the casual real hard candids. stuff the stuff you, you haven't yeah, gone to portrait view yet.
2: Yeah, you haven't. Yeah, you're just yeah, taking candidates. Yeah,
4: we're gonna go into uh, you know stuff that's gonna win the Nobel prizes. That that stuff's coming up this fall. So and and the telescope's really gonna be put through the paces, and and it's gonna be really amazing. Uh,
3: can you tell me well, more? That was
2: my next teaser? questions of like what. So if this is if this is casual, like how if all of a sudden this thing has become like Instagram model and like really putting effort in, like, what can we expect to see? (laughs) You know, those girls that stand on the beach, Uh, like 12 people helping them take one picture. So if we're going into Instagram mode, what, what can this telescope show us?
4: I think, I think there's two things. One, One is we built this telescope to go after the very first, you know, stars that formed after the big bang um and, and we've never seen anything we've never seen it we don't know how that happened we know the universe came in existence it was dark and for some reason all this hydrogen gas due to gravity and all kinds of crazy stuff decided to make stars we don't we not have any imaging of that we've never we have theoretical models um so so that's the real that's what I would call the cosmological stuff the other thing is you know it's it, it, it's what we've already talked about with uh these planets and, and being able to possibly pick up some, uh, you know, some of those ingredients. That's a big one. I think that's that's probably the other Instagrammable uh, <laughs> type of data that you're going to be seeing uh, coming out uh, coming out later. Uh, our first year is chock full of some of the hardest science that Web will ever have to do. It's gonna be really, really good stuff. So so stay so stay tuned.
3: Uh, today I saw a picture of Jupiter with Europa in front of it. Uh, I know that I know that web is not meant for the the close up stuff. Like you the Hubble image of Jupiter is clearer than the, the web image oh, that I saw yeah. today. Um, which means yeah. they're 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 used, they're used for different things. But you know, I'm right. I'm I would love to see Oh God, I'm going to nerd out so hard. I'd love to see like the evidence of vapor coming out of the South Pole of Enceladus. I would love to like, so I mean, there could be possible life signatures in our solar system. Is Webb capable of going after that? Or is that going to be someone else's job? Yes
4: no that that's web web can do that obviously we can visit those planets with uh, remote spacecraft that are visiting them they get a little bit of a closer up view mm-hmm. the, the image that came out from jupiter the other day was a was a test image okay um and, and and you know obviously our public affairs folks they have a hard job of conveying that those type of information so sure. it wasn't the maybe the sexiest instagram photo of jupiter we've ever seen but uh uh, it was a test image, and we wanted people to know that we can take imaging from Mars out. Uh, we can see Mars and then every other planet, and being able to look at some of those uh, the moons of Jupiter and even Saturn to look for some of the stuff you're talking about there is definitely on the plate. You know, year a couple years ago, we we uh, spacecraft visited Pluto. Pluto is going to be a big target for Webb again. Remember, Webb is seeing in the infrared, so it's seeing heat wavelengths of light that are that are heat. So it's it's and it and it has some of these spectroscopic spectroscopic abilities to be able to 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 really interrogate the atmospheres of our own planets in our own solar system. So so yeah, the Jupiter planet was a little bit funny to me. I, I saw it. I went, ooh, people aren't going to be too thrilled by that one even though the the scientists and the engineers are geeking out over
2: it <laughs> i think it's really hard yeah. one of the hardest parts of what you have to do right now is selling in, it. Is, well just in a in a world in which everybody's watching 15 second tiktoks right yep. it to, and you have like a fuzzy image of a, something they've seen clear in the past like making it make sense in in these bite-sized yeah. things so that's as if launching this wasn't a, terrifying and hard enough, having to, you know, making it digestible for the rest of us. So I applaud you it's a, it's in that tough, effort.
4: Yeah, they do. They they have a tough job. They really do. And our, our our communication folks do a a wonderful job, but they do have a hard job. And you're right. The attention span of the public is very very fickle. Uh, and uh, you know we, we you know they the, the you'll, you'll see these big splashes. They're probably not going to keep dripping out images week after week after week, because people will, will tune that out. So you'll probably see another big splash with some other, you know, some really good science, you know, later this fall. And um, I think that's their approach, which, which makes sense, because we, we all have our short attention span. A
2: pen holderness here would sit for every image. Any image that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to share. So
3: I, I would. I also, but honestly, I almost think we need to keep Keith on speed dial because I don't think I've done a very good job explaining it to the commoner. I've been trying to over nerdify it today, and Keith has done a better job of bringing me down to earth, which is not what was supposed to happen. We were supposed to like help translate him. I'm the one who's like, eh, and settle this. I feel like an idiot. Like I'm trying to impress him on this entire interview. Uh, yeah, you no, know,
2: you're doing great, no, we, honey.
4: Like, I, I don't know. We We, we, we tell everybody. Because, you know, people say, look, this this is everybody's mission. You know, everybody deserves to know about this stuff. And just so you know, just so you know, uh Jimmy Buffett is visiting our Mission Op Center this afternoon. And uh, I'm skipping that because I wanted to talk to you. Oh, God! Oh, what?
2: No way. I mean, I would skip <laughs> no, no, this no, no. to go see Jimmy me. Buffett. Okay,
4: is there a chance if we let
3: you go now, you can go say hi to him?
4: No, so I'm good. I really am good. That,
2: that you oh would not gosh, believe uh, how uh, good I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I just, I am just. Listen, there, there is so much happening on this planet. that It's very overwhelming to to me. And so, anytime pen like the the. Um, he reads this stuff for fun and just uh, he'll read like an aerospace textbook for fun but then the kind of Mm. the genre of light reading he like is called hard science fiction which is really funny. It's a weird sounding So but so as soon as I start complaining about somebody well my thing is when private citizens are spending billions of dollars just to kind of circle the planet I'm like do you know how many hungry people that could feed? He is quick to say yeah I defend them. He's he's quick to defend just because of what you said like we don't know anything well, and so well, yeah. well
4: again i, I don't want to go back to Hank green again but, right. but i don't know he put out this video on web maybe 11 years ago where he had this sort of mantra of you know you have to decrease the suck while you're also increasing the awesomeness and web is about increasing awesome i mean we're not we're not solving covid we're not dealing with with uh with famine or hunger we're we're increasing awesome. But at the same time, you have to balance that with decreasing suck. And he does this great video about, you know, how you have to balance that because if you're a, if you're a, if you're a civilization and all you focus on is, uh, is uh, decreasing the suck, you won't have the capabilities to decrease the suck eventually. So you have to balance these two, you know, the reason we have vaccines for things like COVID and things like that is because scientists did science and they, they got, they had to spend a lot of money to do that. So, and, and so, Anyway, the Hank Green, he, he, that's why I keep bringing him up because he sure. really captured it best. With, you know, we all we are all sympathetic, and we all need to solve some serious serious problems on the earth. But it's only via technology that we'll ever even have a chance to do it. Um, so, anyway, so yeah, Hank's a big fan, and we're a big fan. No,
2: okay. I, I, I'm a huge fan. I send yeah. him Hank Green videos, yeah. yeah, and I'm like, is this what you were trying to say? So, no, we are all cool. Hank Green fans. Yeah, yeah. Believe me. And, and yeah,
3: he yeah. he did the cl- he did the closest job of anybody. I would say even better than Neil deGrasse Tyson of explaining that gravity circle, that gravity lens. Yes. Um, that that you guys sent yeah. out oh yeah Neil,
4: Neil deGrasse he does a great job at our images of explaining some of that stuff which is really good oh and but not to, I keep bringing up Hank Green but you know, my daughter who grew up she's a big Hank Green she follows his Twitter account and I think we were deploying the SunShield one day and Hank Green you know tweeted hey Webb just finished deploying at SunShield and I was narrating so my my yeah. photo was on his Twitter account well my daughter retweets it and she says, you know, proud daughter moment. My dad showed up on Hank Green's Twitter account. So I'm like, so I'm like, you know, it, I, I just, I was more, I like the fact that she retweeted me. <laughs> That's yeah. what made me so happy. She was so proud. <laughs> that was
3: a great, that was actually like a, a bear. Like I skimmed the two and a half hour. Video on YouTube because it got served up to me where you were explaining with a, a very yeah, informed yeah. woman about what was going on and they they were they were, unfo- they were yeah. unfolding the sunshield yeah which isn't yeah. is the sunshield is that the thing over your shoulder isn't it like a uh, what no, is
2: that's like a Maryland fla-
3: no no like the honeycomb thing oh, yeah is, that what that. that that's it right so t- can you tell us about that like what th- that that's the sunshield right
4: this is the yeah this is the sunshield yeah. yes yes and and remember I said we were about a million miles away. Uh, And we put this big shield out to just block the sun. The sun is always on one side. And and if you'll notice, it's going to do this right. There's five of these layers. So Uh it's actually five shields. And it's these five layers that lets this telescope be down near absolute zero. While this side is broiling hot, you could boil water on this side. So that's why we big And this, this sun shield. NASA's never deployed anything this big in orbit before and, and it was one of the most complex pieces of hardware that NASA's ever built. So that's why it was kind of a big deal. If this doesn't deploy correctly, we don't get a cold telescope when we don't have the great images just all the other day. So the sun was really one of those of the two I think you mentioned the three hundred and forty some single point failures. We had a good majority of those were related to the sun shield. So, so that's were, why we were
3: You were sweating. doing uh, you were doing PR for them as this was deploying did you that's right yeah we did a play-by-play
4: so that was a good that was a funny story so we're in the middle of covid and we you know our pubs people they wanted to do a studio you know where we had some people who knew things Uh, but eventually we ended up doing everything remotely so uh we had to do this play-by-play so i had the privilege of being selected to help our you know help do the play-by-play and at the same time the team of engineers that really knew what they were doing they were actually doing all the hard work that day, and I got the, you know, I got the the fun job of of describing what they were doing. And uh, you know, the many many of those women and men were, you know, they had been working on the sunshield; it was their life for for fifteen, you know, fifteen plus years. So that was a huge moment for them uh, to be able to get that thing out, and a, a big sight, you know, big relief for all of us. So that was a big day.
2: As somebody who suffers with anxiety, I'm talking about myself. I don't know how I would have been able to stomach the 29 days you were talking about, or this the, yeah. deploying the sun shield, because right. like, cause at that point, like your work is kind of done, right? Like it's right. up there. And what are you going to, yep. what are you going to do? Oh my gosh. This is yeah, like, part, people with and, anxiety and can't do this my, stuff.
4: <laughs> yeah. Part of my job as the commissioning manager was to spend a lot of time worrying about everything that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then to make sure we had at least some plan to, um, to, to maybe get us out of the woods with it. So a lot of things that'll go wrong, you can't recover from some things that go wrong. You can recover from. So we had hundreds and hundreds of what I call contingency plans or backup plans and and amazingly enough we didn't have to pull out very many of them so that was quite amazing
2: i think actually people with anxiety would have been brilliant at this because that's yeah. all i do is think about <laughs> yeah. what things could go wrong well, so
4: it's does my yeah yeah i tell people my main job for from like the three years leading the launch was to figure out how to kill web so it was It can wear on you, (laughs) it really can wear on you where you're like, wow, this could really happen. Is there anything we could do about it? Mm, Probably not. So let's just cross our fingers and hope that doesn't happen.
3: Aren't there so many parallels between this telescope and Keith and raising a child? Like he called it his fourth <laughs> child, but I'm just thinking like it's almost like the the launch is it's like it's either getting its driver's license or it's going to college. Like we're dealing with our daughter has her learner's permit right now, and I feel a yeah. lot like a person trying to launch the web telescope into space and like once she gets that license
2: it's like you hope you've Jesus. done everything right.
4: Right,
3: but you
2: just yeah. don't know.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, and yes, and that never stops. By the way, I, I think our kids are a <laughs> little older than yours, but it never, it never stops. Really? they you know, I, yeah, it doesn't stop. You're like, you know, did they get the to work today? Okay, uh. they're twenty five. They should be able to. Well, <laughs> so, and, I, know, it's- so, and the other thing is something like you're exactly right because it's a great parallel because i always we always joke around the house i'm like why didn't these things come with instruction manuals they didn't come with anything and um you know and and building a one-off mission like web there was no textbooks to read we had no instruction manuals i had to do something crazy like this so it's a good it's a good parallel because uh yes it was like sending your kid out the door and there's nothing you can do at some point you just have to have to suck it up and uh, hope it all works hope you did
2: that really is the best parallel because you hope you've done everything right and then also it's a little crazy to learn that i'm still going to be worrying so much because it's so funny when my this has nothing to do with space but when i had uh, when my when my daughter was a baby and i told my mom i'm like you know what if i could just get her to sleep through the night then i can stop worrying (laughs) and my mother laughed she's like oh no she's like i used to worry about you and you just i'm like oh my gosh are you serious like i'm gonna worry this much every single day she's like for the rest yeah. of your life and and to bring so my it my best friend
4: yeah. i said he's my best friend we all had children about the same time and he says you know what my kids are getting older and he's like you know what he's like the thing with parenting is the constantness of it it's just it's and it never stops and you can talk to your parents your grandparents are like no, you're always are you're always going to be our babies and we're always going to, you know, mm. have that anxiety about you. So, and Continue. I have anxiety about web now right. because it's out there a million miles away on its own Aww. getting hit with micrometeoroids. It's oh, hit it hit did. It got, and, one of
3: them got hit, right? Yeah, didn't you didn't you guys get hit by a micrometeor?
4: We did. Um, now we designed for this. We knew we were going to get hit by micrometeoroids. We're going to hit we're going to get hit by thousands, tens of thousands over its lifetime. And and just to put Micrometeoroids in context they're probably somewhere about the size of a grain in baby powder not sand baby powder particles uh that hit us at very very high speeds there's a lot of energy related to those the thing that happened to us this year that was surprising is one of them was a little bit bigger than we had expected so soon in the mission over 20 years we do expect to get these big ones from time to time so the fact that we got kind of a big one early on we're like our model's correct, you know. Did, did we did we miss something? But web is fine. Uh, but again, it's like your baby. It's out there in the, mm. the harshness of space on its own, and uh, you know, it's it's fighting. And, you know, it's got to deal with this stuff on its own. We can't really help it too much. <laughs>
2: mm. Now, is what is the life of the? What's the ex- life expectancy?
4: Sorry. No, I'm just. He's I, got it. It's an exciting. We got answer. 20 years of fuel. We we got we got our limiting life thing is fuel. We'll run out of fuel in 20 years. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and our minimum requirement for fuel was five years. Uh, but, but the fact that, uh, we got a really good launch on Christmas day, uh, the Ariane 5 put us right on the money. And then our spacecraft team, our propulsion team, our navigation team, they were on the clock, uh, basically about a 12 hour clock to get all the data up the web. So it knew how to fire its rockets and for how long. We did that as smooth – it's one of the things I talk about contingency planning. One of the things we were all worried about was doing that first maneuver where we fired our engines uh, to make sure WebKit had enough velocity. We worried about that. We had contingency plans that were, you know, thick. And our team executed flawlessly on Christmas night. And because of that, we we think we have at least 20-plus years of fuel. So the scientists are absolutely tickled. The fact that this is going to be, you know, this observatory is going to be around when we're hopefully we can hopefully we can see the end of it. <laughs> Us Gen Xers,
2: oh, right? Hey, Guys, stick oh, together, yeah. Gen Xers. Gen X made this happen. This is
3: no, this is Gen yeah, yeah. X's moon landing. I'm telling you, this is you. Gen X's moon it's landing. Like they they happened to launch on Christmas night when probably very few people were aware because it was Christmas and they were with their family. But yeah, like yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. I am here. I'm here with Hank Green to bring as much attention to this as possible because it is implausibly awesome. Like this, the the, the suck is down. The awesome is up. I hope everyone you work with is in an awesome mood right now. They should be.
4: Oh, yeah. They they should be. (laughs) Yeah, I I told Christmas Eve we were counting down. The clock clicked over on 12 a.m. on Christmas Day. And, you know, I took some time to talk to the team you know i didn't i didn't bring up the fact that apollo 8 you know when it circled the moon on christmas eve and 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 uh, they you know they read that great passage from the bible about creation yeah. and the let there be light and i was you know it was a little bit ish you don't want to you know be too corny but i was like look guys we're launching a machine that's going to try to capture that first light after the universe came into existence you know whether it was created or it created itself it doesn't matter we're going to go after the very first light so it was really kind of a special christmas eve for all of us to to be able to really do what you apollo is is definitely a great you know one of the awesome things humanity's ever done uh but you're right this is our unmanned this is an unmanned version of apollo uh, as far as its complexity, um,
2: I just have a question. Maybe it was there a reason why it was on Christmas? Was it a weather thing, or just semi picked? We Christmas? were
4: our original launch day. We launched out of South America uh, in French Guiana. If for people who want to learn their geography, that's just right up north of uh, Brazil on the on the uh, equator, close to the equator. And um, uh, we were supposed to launch on December twelfth, and because of some delays and things like that, we got into the week of Christmas. Ah, uh, we eventually moved it to uh, Christmas Eve, and then we had a lot of weather coming in down there. Okay. So, just it was, curious, it was really just it was just weather. It was just really that was the only day that had good weather was Christmas Day.
2: Okay, just wondering if there was like a <laughs> when it in a news cycle type of thing. Just just curious, and, I, and I'm
3: imagining yeah. if you guys were like, "Hey, it's Christmas, can we take the day off?" And you were going to have to wait like three more months or something
4: <laughs> crazy like that. No. right, like, yes, yeah, no, i We had, about, two, we had about 200 people in French Guiana. Yeah. away from their families. And the last yeah. thing they wanted to do was wait another day. Respect, so. <laughs> respect.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. what are we missing? What's the big thing that you want the people that are listening to this to understand, to know? What have we forgotten to ask you? Uh,
4: yeah, I, you know, when it comes to space exploration, we are probably getting into the golden age Um, everything from commercialization, you see that with our, our, our flights front up, you know, by SpaceX. Um, we landed on Mars last year. We got mission. We got, we had NASA had so much success last year. Um, we're getting to the point, I don't want to say space is getting easy. Uh, but people really need to be excited about, you know, just some of the, you know, just the, the inspiration uh, that you know, not just NASA but private industry. We're we're basically moving into a completely different era of space exploration, and and maybe maybe in our lifetime you'll see some commercial flights to the moon, uh, maybe commercial flights to 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 you know. But it takes both. It takes industry. It takes private industry. It takes it takes government agencies like NASA it takes all of it takes a word it's a world coming together at least at least the uh the part of the world that shares our values like our european partners in canada uh you know it takes all of us coming together and, and and last year was just a stellar year for space exploration whether it was you know man flights or or just going to other planets and then i think we we sort of uh the icing on the cake was the web launch in december
2: you saw me shake my head when you're talking about like private trips to the moon because i mean that's his dream. And I just, no, I just, just stay here with me. I, to
3: me, space is the most interesting part of my um, existence outside of my family. Like, I <laughs> outside of my family and friends, like,
2: oh, yeah, I, that, like, I just
3: to me, like, it's what I read about, it's what I watch movies about, it's what I do in my spare time.
2: He loves a movie and, where they've assembled the best in their field, oh, yeah, 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 to, yeah, to like solve a yeah, space yeah. problem. Yeah,
3: like, well, Apollo 13 right. was awesome. The the, For All Mankind, which is like this butterfly effect show for those of you who haven't watched mm-hmm. it, it's like imagining what would have yeah. happened if we'd lost the original space race. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the spoiler is that we w- work harder and we're still doing it. You know instead of um so no i I love all that stuff and so
4: the only other thing thing, if i could say this is uh they say wars are won by the lieutenants on the field Mm -hmm. that's exactly what web was there was not one single person that was responsible for its success our chief engineer for the for the mission mike menzel probably one of the best engineers of the planet he's probably the most responsible for the success of this mission but it was thousands and thousands of people and then you know some people in key positions that I that I was had the privilege of working with for many many years. If one of those folks weren't was not on the job, uh, I'm not sure we'd be on orbit right now. So Webb was this weird, weird gathering of, of the best in your So many talents at the right at the right time in the right places, yes. <laughs> at the right time in the right place, and 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 there's just so many thousands of people that poured their their heart and soul into this thing and i think that's just another thing that uh hopefully folks will appreciate that is uh just so many people work so hard on this for so long
2: i love that that's why that's why you're so excited honey they've assembled they've the best assembled
3: the, the best in their field in real life okay keith you've yep. given yep. us uh, you've given us the name hank green you've given us the documentary the 29 days of
2: the, yeah the, on the, edge, on the edge.
4: 29 days on the um, edge
2: thank you so much for your time Thank you for yeah, skipping yeah, no, meeting you. Jimmy Buffett. I feel like Penn should sing for you if you should have, like... <laughs> I mean, we, I we, did, we well, deserve I, I, some yeah. jazz hands or something. Yeah, I am
4: waiting for the... I'm assuming you can do a tribute parody song to Webb eventually.
2: I mean, so I, I actually... Would his-
3: <laughs> we talked about it. We talked about it last week. And um, yeah. I just... I, th- I think I needed to talk to someone like you first, so I could understand. Because what I was terrified of was getting any facts at all wrong. Um, I, I, yeah, do, yeah, I do, I yeah. do think that I, you know I've been consuming. I think CNN has a great space section. They put it up a lot. New York Times has a yeah, a, yeah. A, a really good space scientist. But I wanted to make sure I got all this right because you do not want to run a foul of of space <laughs> fans if you get something incorrect. So that's like the main reason yeah. I haven't done and I, it.
4: And that's where that's where our public affairs folks are really, really good at this. They they, they do an excellent job of working with uh, all different types of media. You know, I think that's one of the big things with NASA these days is is we're we're finally getting we do a really good job. Our Twitter account for for web, our our team, they just had the best tweets. You know, they were just spot on with their with their funny kind of you know tweets that they do. So they're really good. So if you want them to review something, they would love to work with you. I remember years ago, it was the most funny thing. It was back when we were early days of web. We had uh, Jimmy Fallon and one of his producers came to the Goddard Space Flight Center and made a rap video. And it, it, it's the most, it's the funniest thing. I'll send you guys a link to it if you want. But, uh, yeah, you, you, who knows? You could probably make yeah, – I think you're on the East Coast, but maybe you could swing by Goddard or, uh, uh, or oh, even I oh, I some, can you can the I could swing. I
2: could swing by he will be there before the close of business. He yeah, can invite himself places. Oh my gosh, no! He's thinking of he's thinking of the space telescope, the musical, right now, aren't you? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let, let's let's let him. Well, go. You'll, like,
4: you'll like this. I'll send you the link to the Milky J thing. It's really stupid and bad. Milky J, you would
2: appreciate it. that. Okay. Stupid Milky and bad Jay, is yeah. like that's our jam. <laughs> Thank you. We really are well, just. Humbled that you spent so much time with us. And I pray that the people listening have a better understanding of this. And I appreciate why this is such a big deal. I certainly do. So thank you for all you've done. And yeah, thank you for your time.
4: Well, thank you guys for telling our story. That, we really appreciate that also.
2: How do you feel, Penn?
3: Well, I honestly, I blacked out a little bit there because i was like so starstruck and i started the whole point of this was for me to try to help explain this to people more simply and then i kept trying to like flex and dunk on him like i was trying to give like way too specific information Uh, and and he ended up being the one he was like
2: bring it down pen we know <laughs> told that me to you're, bring it you down. know fancy names of stars of, that are
3: this yeah. must be what it was like when you met george clooney and you couldn't control your behavior yes.
2: like do, do
3: you want to tell that story
2: to people i think i've told that story cuz we have it on
3: video but i don't I know that like the video is attainable but i saw the video of her interviewing george clooney when she was working at inside edition and she didn't she like <laughs> lost the ability to communicate correctly right
2: it's when it was like 15 years ago when he was got an Oscar nomination for like directing but then he was also starring in a movie that same year and I was like twirling like my hair and like I was like so like do you like being like in front of the camera or like behind the camera like I couldn't Be. And that's not how you
3: normally talk.
2: No, and, and and part of my job at Instant Edition, I did a lot of red carpet interviews. So I did interview celebrities most weeks at some point I was right. and, and I've I've interacted or I mean they wouldn't know me from Adam, by the way, but I've met when I told Lola that I've met Taylor Swift like four times Taylor Swift who was like a baby herself when I was interviewing her, was delightful and kind. And I interviewed her like two weeks in a row. It was like the CMAs and then the whatever. And she like remembered my name. I think her publicist told her, by the way. But, but the fact that she said yeah, it. Totally you know.
3: chill relationship with these mega stars.
2: No, no, no. But George yeah. Clooney was just so... So when you said... That's why when you're like, it's like George Clooney, like that's the level of... Right, starstruckness with our friend Keith, but
3: for that reason, I don't know that I was the best interviewer. I think you did a better job. I'm like, I I, we like to end our podcast by criticizing ourselves, yeah. Um, and I think that you did a better job actually, um, asking him questions than I did. I think I was like too far up in the weeds, but I hope I still hope that people learned a, a little bit.
2: Well, I hope so too, because let's let's face it that this has been a project that's been in the work for what, like 17, 18 years, and in one-hour podcast, you're not going to learn everything. My right. only goal was to help myself, and this is the selfish reason we do podcasts, understand why this is so important because everybody was talking about it and every news organization was carrying it and every celebrity was posting about it. And I wanted to, but I was still stressed about what was happening on here. And so I wanted to know, and I loved what he said. He's like, we we don't know anything. And to have the have the ability to to solve the problems on this planet we need to look beyond this planet and yeah. yeah i'm i'm a believer
3: well i loved it thank you for taking the time to sit with with me and keith um and uh, like learning more about my passion project which is not even my project it's just me understanding somebody else's uh, unbelievable undertaking he said 20,000 people worked on this thing so that happened that's my George Clooney.
2: Thanks for listening. Thanks you guys. for listening. Remember yep. to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening or if you're watching on our YouTube channel. If we even put this on our YouTube channel. That's yeah, possible. I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna work. Yeah. Anyway, um, love you guys. Bye. Bye.